Well, folks, what's the crack? Welcome to episode number 73 of Best of Belfast, a podcast that celebrates Northern Ireland and the incredible people in it. Today's guest is one of the youngest people we've ever had on the podcast, and she's also the first person I've ever met with juvenile idiopathic arthritis. So what on earth is that? At 14 years old, Katrina unexpectedly developed chronic pain in her knees, elbows, fingers, neck, hips, and toes. And after a challenging year of doctors having no idea why, she was finally diagnosed with early onset arthritis, something that, according to Katrina, is actually much more common than you'd think. In today's show, Katrina teaches me what arthritis actually is. She shares how she was able to deal with such a difficult diagnosis at a young age and underscores the importance of pacing ourselves as we chase our biggest goals, dreams and desires. I had an absolute blast having the opportunity to sit down and talk with Katrina just a couple of weeks before she moved over to Stirling University to pursue a career in film. Honestly, it felt like a bit of a wild card story to bring onto the show, but I'm so, so glad we've did it. I found Katrina to be completely wise beyond her years, and even though her story is quite niche, there are so many valuable life lessons and principles shared in this week's conversation that I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So, without further ado... Let's get going. Hi, I'm Katrina Cairns, and you're listening to The Best of Belfast. All right, guys, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson, and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates our wee country, Northern Ireland. Each episode gives you the opportunity to get to know and learn from some of the incredible people who call this place home through our unfiltered conversations. The show is brought to you from our recording studio in Ormo Bass, Barclay Eagle Labs, a co-working space right here in the heart of the city centre. Support for Best of Belfast comes from our Producers Club, where listeners just like you pledge as little as £1 a month in exchange for exclusive perks, invitations to live podcasts, some Northern Irish swag, and much, much more. Massive, massive thank you to all of you who are part of that, especially our Titanic producers, Town Square Cafe, Gavin Wall, Ali Hart, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, and of course, the Ormo Bass team. We could not do this show without our producers, and thanks to your support, we can keep it running and allowed to stay ad-free. So, really appreciate you. To find out more about the great work these guys do, and support us on our journey to 100 interviews, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Okay, that's it for me. Time to jump straight into today's conversation with this week's local legend. question for you why did you agree to come here today like what was it that because this is a really random thing for you to be doing right it is yeah it's really (laughs) random um it's a good question i don't know really i think firstly it's a bit of fun you know it's something obviously i've never done it before yeah and it's a bit cool so i'm just like yeah but also I think it is important to kind of raise awareness for arthritis. That's a more serious side of things. It's cool. But yeah, why not, really? There wasn't really many reasons for me not to do it. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving me your, your last summer before <laughs> university. I mean, yeah, that's scary, isn't it? It is scary. I'm leaving on the 7th, so next Saturday. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad, yeah. I, I'm glad we got you in whenever we did. <laughs> um, are you happy enough? I'm just going to get cracking. Yeah. Yeah. So the place where I really wanted to start... Um, I am really here to be educated today mm-hmm. because I know very, very, very little about arthritis. <laughs> okay? Right. Uh, and I imagine most young people, unless they've had some sort of uh, granny or granda that mm-hmm. has arthritis, uh, they're probably in the same boat. Yeah. So uh, this is a really fundamentally stupid question. But what actually is arthritis? Well, it's got kind of a stupid answer because I have, well, young people have juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And idiopathic actually means unknown source. Mm. So no one knows, oh, wow. actually. Um, no one knows why it happens. It's an autoimmune disease. So like alopecia would be an autoimmune disease. And uh, your body just starts not liking you for some reason. But no, no one actually knows why it happens. Wow. But it just does. So um, what actually is it? Is it a thing in your bone? Is it a thing in your tissue? Is it a thing in your... So it depends on the type that you have. So there's a lot of different types. I have polyarticular, which basically means it affects five or more joints, is how my consultant described it to me at least. I actually recently, 
well, it was a while ago now, but looked up all the different types. <laughs> and I'd never known that there was so many types before. And I was like, I'm glad that I have what I have because wow. some of them were awful. Like, like really bad skin conditions would come with it. And really? Just, I wouldn't associate that with arthritis. No, neither would I. Wow. But some of the, the cases that you can have would have that side effect. And uh, yeah, it depends on the person, really. For me, I can only really speak from my experience. But for me, it's basically pain in your joints and it's like inflammation in your joints so it's like synovial fluid which is basically the tissue between like if if it was your knee your knee and then the kneecap and it's just kind of what lubricates your joints so you're not rubbing bone together but if you have arthritis and the inflammation happens it's producing way too much of that Mm. and that would protect you if you'd like injured a joint or sprained your wrist or something it would swell up and that would be for protection but it doesn't go away wow and there's no reason for it being there with arthritis and that is actually what damages your joints interesting so if you had that fluid for a long time it basically like kind of erodes away your bone a little bit yeah so it's not really a good thing to have so whenever you do have it they like doctors want rid of it so you get like steroid injections so they would take the fluid out and put like a steroid liquid fluid thing in Uh, i have i've had that done a few times yeah so it just it just depends on the person but you can get it in any joint like i heard that with polyarticulates more likely for your knees and your feet and i think it's your hips but i would get it like i get it in my elbows my fingers my toes my knees, my hip, and my neck, and so my jaw. So you're really polyarticular. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And when you said you get it, is it something that? No, I'm again. I'm so sorry for just no, my naivety. Okay. Like when you say you get it, like will you get a bad case of it in your elbow, and then you maybe get a steroid injection, or it goes away? Does it come and go, or is it always there? So you describe it as a flare-up. Okay. So maybe it just depends winter time. A lot because it's cold and it's damp that really affects your joints and you'll just wake up sore and sore and then it'll for me at least it'll be literally in the space of an hour I'm completely fine like it's sore and it does get more painful but you'll be fine and then I'll look down and my knees completely swollen up and that's literally how it happened then it would take a very long time for that to go away if it does go away on its own and if it doesn't go away on its own then you have to go to a doctor and get something done about it basically mm. yeah so <laughs> your accent's making me laugh right now because <laughs> <laughs> you're tyrone born and bred aren't you so my parents are from northern ireland yeah and then i well, i was born in england because uh-huh. my family moved around quite a bit they lived in scotland then they moved to england and i was born in england lived there till i was eight but i'd always like come down to northern ireland and um so funny, see my calm grandparents down in Northern Ireland. that's funny in my head <laughs> that you would say that but of course that's what you would say yeah, yeah. um well it's north of england as well and then um i'd visit my grandparents and all and also my parents had northern irish accents so even then as a child i kind of had a weird northern english accent <laughs> mixed with a bit of northern irish <laughs> and then when i came down back and actually lived here down in south tyrone my accent turned into this and i don't know really what it is but yeah how do you say the piece of fabric that you dry yourself with after a towel oh no i said no what a feel i was trying to like i would say towel you would say towel it's more it's more like the ow sound that i can't do like i would say how now brown cow (laughs) and not like i know kind of thing Well, it's good because it makes you much more easier to understand. So <laughs> that's a great thing. That's a good thing. What has your experience been like coming back to Northern Ireland? I mean, because it sounds like you didn't spend a lot of time here when you were baby baby. No. So I would just come, I think it was like three or four weeks every year. I would come down and spend time with my grandparents and all just when I was little. I don't really remember England that much. Interesting. Honestly, I think it's because obviously you do have memories from before you were eight years old you weren't that young but for some reason I don't know I just don't really associate it with me at the minute I think if someone was to ask me where I'm from it would be Northern Ireland yeah I I would say more Northern Irish than English definitely it's cool yeah and where did your personal 
experience with arthritis start? So I think I must have been 14, but it was quite a few months. I think it must have been, it was about six months of just like pain in my right knee. And it would just hurt when I stepped and all. And then after those six months, I was actually uh, doing an art project at the time. And I remember it really specifically. (laughs) And I was rushing around and I think it was about 2 a.m. trying to get a piece done for the next day because I always leave everything to the last minute. (laughs) And I was so busy and flustered. I looked down and I was like, oh my goodness, my knees are so fat. (laughs) I thought... I'm going to have to look up if there's like knee workouts or something. <laughs> and it wasn't until an hour later that I realized that only one knee was swollen and the yeah. other one was fine. Um, and then that's basically where it all started. And it was a year from that day, really. Yeah, about a year that I was actually diagnosed. So in that time, I remember the next day at school, the pain got really, really bad. And I can't remember if it was worse than what I've actually experienced since then or if I just wasn't used to it Mm -hmm, at that point. mm -hmm. But I went to the doctors and I got an x-ray and nothing came up. Then in that space of a year, I went to the doctors pretty much every two weeks. Nothing happened. I got an MRI scan on my knee and I got an x-ray on my hip and still nothing happened. By the end of the year, I had a swollen elbow and both my knees were swollen. Whoa. And it got to a point where it was quite difficult just to live a normal life. Mm -hmm. It would take me... So I'd wake up early and then it would take me like about an hour to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And then I would always be late to school because I couldn't even get the bus at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was a good thing my teachers were quite nice. Shout out to Miss Prescott. Come on, Miss Prescott. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yeah, so it became quite difficult at that point. And then I went to GP again, and it wasn't the GP I was used to. It was a male doctor instead of a female doctor I was used to. And he happened to know a guy in Belfast who ran a hot knee clinic. So he referred me on to him. I love that. He just, just knows a guy. <laughs> yeah, he literally just had a friend. And then I went to him, and he was like, hmm, doesn't really seem like an injury. So he referred me on to a woman that he knew called Dr. Rooney and she is now my consultant and she's the one who actually diagnosed me with polyarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a mouthful. I'm glad you explained <laughs> yeah. what the idiopathic was because I got the juvenile bit. Yeah. explaining to me what arthritis was. Yeah. But I was like, idiopathic? idiopathic? I mean, I don't even know how to say it. If I saw it, I'm glad you said it first. <laughs> one of my questions written down here, I was like, ah, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> so what was that like? You were... What, was that 15 then? Yeah, 15. How do you, as a 15-year-old, take that diagnosis? Because, Mm. I mean, again, please educate me. I'm guessing that this is it. As in, like, this isn't likely to be something that's just going to go away. No. So how do you kind of deal with that as a, a young woman? I don't really know. I was, remember, I do remember it, and I was kind of in the hospital, and they were just overloading me with information because then as soon as I got the diagnosis which was very very quick she she literally just kind of looked at me (laughs) asked me what hurt and was like okay so this is what you have and then they just threw buckets of information at me and gave me leaflets and different things and um I was just like okay um I think my first kind of emotion I felt was relief after like a year and a half of this I finally got a diagnosis and I actually knew that there was something that could be done and there was medication I could take and I wasn't going to be like this forever and that was like a huge relief and um yeah that was the biggest part of it obviously it wasn't like it wasn't bad news it wasn't good news either for me it was just news and I was just Mm -hmm. thankful for it um Yeah, it was just kind of a lot to take in. I remember just being really tired afterwards. Mm -hmm. And obviously the waiting times are very, very long. (laughs) So I was just really tired. And I was just like, okay, let's do it. And I think as soon as she kind of told me, I was already preparing myself for everything. And I was just kind of thinking like, 
years in advance like okay so this is what I'm gonna have to do Mm -hmm. this and I'm just gonna have to hand a letter into school and Mm -hmm. give them proof and sort out my exams and things like that and immediately I was kind of going through everything in my brain I don't think arthritis never really upset me Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's something that's common with people who would get a diagnosis I didn't get really upset when I heard about it I didn't like I still don't get really upset about it it's not fun (laughs) and (laughs) it's not the easiest at times but it's just something I've kind of accepted Mm -hmm. and I just get on with things really sure I mean you sound even just what you've said though you sound like a real go-getter because you know (laughs) like there really are like there's a really clear kind of difference between people who things that are outside their their control they can sometimes feel like a victim to that and then there are Mm. people who things that are outside their control they're like okay well this is outside of my control but let me focus on what I can control yeah that makes sense and that's it's actually really it's really encouraging to see that in (laughs) an 18 year old you know it's it's, it's really really cool (laughs) did it ever exclude you from life yeah okay I would say so I couldn't do PE also I was thankful for that at one point (laughs) Um, yeah it is a bit annoying when you're actually wanting to get involved and I am an active person not very sporty but like I just I love going on walks and we hikes and things like that and not being able to do that was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I think the worst thing was is that I did that anyway a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. then I'd overwork myself. Yeah. Like I was recently on holiday and I actually got another flare up halfway after like the first day. Because mm. I just like walked too much and just ignored everything. And yeah. I need to get better at that. That is something we're going to try and work on and know when I should stop and just sit down for a bit. So let, but, let's explore that a wee bit because I'm mm-hmm. really interested in that for completely different and for completely selfish reasons because <laughs> personally now not necessarily physically but pacing is something that i think about in my life a lot because mm. i was saying to you earlier when we were walking around i have a tendency just to run 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 and maybe you know bite off way more than i can chew yeah and it leaves it's me, to me. <laughs> uh, flaring up emotionally <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. uh, as opposed to physically so what have you learned so far about pacing not enough honestly (laughs) not enough I think it's just well for me it's listening to my body but I do get myself in a lot of stressful situations I always take up too much like with school it was just too many extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. didn't get lunchtime about three months you know just (laughs) doing way too much for myself and I think what I've learned is just to kind of try and calm down a little bit Mm -hmm. and not be so upset when you can't do everything Mm -hmm. because no one can do everything sure and I always want to and I always think like oh it's a waste of opportunity if I don't do something but I need to kind of try and figure out what matters and what doesn't and kind of think this is my favorite thing this is what I really Mm want to do and this is something I can leave behind well that's it it gives you the opportunity to almost focus in some way yeah because then you're just spreading yourself too thin and you're not going to do a good job if you're doing a million of them at one time so and there's also the the percent i'm feeling like a kindred spirit between (laughs) you i'm like oh my goodness i totally understand what you're saying (laughs) because there's also that party where it's like oh i'm just procrastinating yeah well like everyone always says that like they say i'm going to write my next novel next year you know what i mean and it can be really hard for a go-getter it is really annoying to not go and get it (laughs) yeah It did frustrate me a wee bit and I had a whole plan of everything I wanted to do but I knew that if I tried to do it it wouldn't do it justice Mm. and I've been trying to learn like quality not quantity. So good. And uh, that's been difficult and very frustrating but yeah it's kind of I know it's what's best yeah so I've been trying to kind of live by that at the minute. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) What is it about film that really draws you in because you, you know we said before the interview congratulations because you know Thank you're you. going to sterling <laughs> you're going to study it's really really exciting what is it at this stage of your life that because you know it, it's a big decision mm. you know you've you've you're going to dedicate the next at least few years of your life to this yeah. so yeah. why i think it was something i always wanted to do but never admitted to it i think it was it was only a couple of weeks before school started of 
opposite my last year where I had to start writing my personal statement and submit to UCAS that I decided to do film. Mm -hmm. Before that, I wanted to do environmental science. Nice. And um, I'm glad I didn't because I would not have got the grades. (laughs) Um, But I was like all into it. I was going to do something to do with geography. I was really excited and I do love that. But you kind of, when you're choosing career, you have to do what you are, not just what you'd like to be. Mm. And it was my friend actually who said, and I'd never even spoken about it with her, but she was like, you know, you want to do film. Like you love it. So just do it. And I did in the end, and I'm really happy that I did because I do, I just, I am passionate about film. I do enjoy it. I like how it all works together. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that I like, oh, this girl has a really good story kind of thing, because that's that's the main thing that you're looking at. That's what you see when you're watching a film. But there's so much behind it. And I do love to do wee jobs and things like that and practical work I'd never just like to sit and do nothing you know and just kind of do something virtually like on a computer or Mm -hmm. something like that I I love practical work and I would love the fact of just running around (laughs) backstage or like behind the camera running around doing wee jobs trying to get everything sorted I just love that kind of thing so um yeah I'm quite excited I've no idea what exactly I want to do but I've got four years to figure that out, so I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to only be able to watch, say, five movies, five movies. for the rest oh. of your life, what would some of them be? It's too hard a question oh, to ask you to rank I don't them even know. or ask for your favorite, but I'll give you in that, you know, your top five. Yeah, I hate it when people ask me my favorite because then I feel like I've never watched a movie before in my life. <laughs> hmm. Oh, goodness. I really need to think about this. <laughs> Okay, well, I'd probably put, even though it's not, I do like it. <laughs> it's going to be mean <laughs> to the film there. You know the first Narnia film? Yeah, Liam Neeson. Yes. Bring it on. I would have to go for that because that was the first film. I was really young when it came out, but I watched it in the cinema three times with my dad. Wow. And uh, I can't even remember why I watched it that many times, but I really liked it when I was so young. Mm. And then I think that's when I really decided that I loved film. That's awesome. Which is great. It's so funny, yeah. isn't it, that a writer like C.S. Lewis, who's from Belfast, yeah. can write a book, you know, all these years ago, and mm-hmm. then years, years, years later gets turned into a movie and it inspires you to do film. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's mind-blowing. <laughs> like, that's absolutely bananas. Yeah. What is funny. it about that Narnia story that really... I think, well, I was just so young, but... It was just so much that I didn't understand because I had no clue how they made a lion talk. <laughs> like, I was looking like this, like, <laughs> that's just not how it works. Um, <laughs> you know, and it had obviously, like, the CGI and green screens, things like that, but I didn't know anything about that yeah, back sure. then. And I just kind of watched it, and I was just like, I love this because it's just, it's the story. And it was just, you know, and it had young characters that I could relate to, obviously. And I, I think I read some of the book, <laughs> like probably a page of it. <laughs> but um, I just fell in love with it really quickly. Um, and I don't really remember all that much about it. I just remember sitting with my dad being like, I love this. It's amazing. So cool. Yeah. Is there anything that you can do to make your arthritis better? Like, what are some of the, like, daily actions or things mm-hmm. that you can do to kind of, like... So, the first thing's medication. Okay. So, what um, does the medication do? Does it reduce the fluid? So, no, actually. Um, Shucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends what you are on. So, I'll just say what I was on, sure, because I feel like a lot of people go through the same process it's your show do your thing (laughs) (laughs) whenever i was first diagnosed i was put on steroids Mm -hmm. and i was on steroids for probably far too long really they never bothered me until the end of like when i was starting to go off them where i really started hating them i got really chubby (laughs) um yeah and i just hated it so much it made like really bad mood swings which my family did not enjoy (laughs) 
And anytime I got in an argument, they'd be like, it's just the steroids. And then I get upset. Be like, it's not just the steroids. <laughs> I'm a human being. Yeah. It's not just a medicine mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a phase. <laughs> yeah. Um, so steroids and then methotrexate. So that's the main kind of drug that people go on. And I think everyone starts on methotrexate. Okay. Um, it's a chemotherapy drug. What? But you don't take it in as high a dosages mm-hmm. as you would if, you know, you were go- undergoing chemotherapy. I ended up being on probably the, like the highest dosage you could be if you were just had arthritis. But, um, so what's the thing behind that? Is it to try to stop your body attacking itself? Yeah. Okay. So it basically kills your immune system slightly. Right. <laughs> it lowers your immune system until it's really low. So you have to like get the flu jab every year and you have to really be careful and you're always sick. Any, if someone was sitting next to me and I was on methotrexate and they had a cold, not only would I get that cold way faster, but I would get a worse version of that mm. cold. And it would be simple colds that would take me off school. Which would, yeah. yeah, it'd be really annoying. How has the Versus Arthritis Charity helped you out? Or how did you kind of become the, um, the poster woman <laughs> of that, you know, the spokeswoman, I, I suppose? I have no idea. So basically, well, let me ask you. So, how like how common is it for young people to get arthritis? How many people does it affect? I'm not asking for like a yeah, daily stat. Well, if you know it, but I think I because obviously there was a newspaper article written about it. I read this in the newspaper article, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> didn't know that." Apparently, 17.8 million people in the UK have Whoa. arthritis or another musculoskeletal skeleton skeletal disease or some variation of that so quite a lot wow, i didn't yeah. realize it was that much it's a lot more i mean every time i go to the hospital it's full you know of people waiting and it's always sad whenever you see little toddlers mm. and things that's always quite sad and because they don't understand the pain i think yeah. that's what gets me at least i know why i'm sore and i get yeah, it yeah. but these wee kids they've no clue and it's quite sad but yeah, so more than I thought, at least. But it doesn't stop the fact that no one really knows what it is. Anytime I say, you know, oh, I have arthritis, because there comes a point in knowing someone, you, you kind of have to say, I don't hide it. I don't advertise it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't hide it. But they're always just like, oh, my granny has that or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, fair, but slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with people not knowing everything because i barely know everything and i have it so i probably should know more than i do but yeah i think it get, can get a bit frustrating sometimes when you know that it is so common that no one knows about it mm-hmm. and that's why i think it's really cool that versus arthritis is doing so much at the minute to raise awareness like the whole new advertising campaign and everything they had a day that i went to which was uh, adulting with arthritis <laughs> and i appreciated it honestly because it just discussed things that you wouldn't with doctors um because you can't discuss everything with a doctor and they're not always there like there's a long waiting list and it's only on wednesdays and things like that and you know and i'm probably going to be moving soon anyway because i'm in the children's ward so I'm going to be moving up to the adults one. That's scary. So <laughs> it's just wee things like that. So I do appreciate all they're doing. And their website's really helpful as well. And you can always like, I think they have a wee texting service. It was something like that. And on the website where you can just type and someone will reply. So, so great. Or maybe it's just a robot that replies. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh, I doubt it, but that would yeah. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool. But yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it, I think it's important that people raise an awareness for it and it's not the worst thing that can happen Mm -hmm. and it's not worth just like pitying yourself over really because there's so many people who have so much worse but it still I think needs to be a bit more I don't know common knowledge I suppose Mm -hmm. that it can happen and just things like that I think it would make a lot easier for people who newly diagnosed Mm -hmm. just to know that it exists instead of only find out it exists on the day that you yeah, are yeah, diagnosed. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Luckily, I knew it was a thing before. And I was kind of, at that point, I was almost expecting it. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it was something probably rheumatoid. But, you know, if I didn't know what it was, I would have been like, what? 
Yeah. So what do you mean arthritis? Random. Am I 90? <laughs> you know? So. It's cool. You have one of the most interesting and unusual part-time jobs <laughs> <laughs> I think I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so would you like to tell us what that is? And yeah. if you have any kind of memorable funny strange oh, experience i'd love to hear some okay so the title is a living history interpreter Ooh. i know it's very fancy um basically i dress up as someone from um the celtic times or it's occasionally georgian you know mix it up a little <laughs> and um i usually tourists kind of pretend to be a celtic person wow. in a little hut <laughs> And uh, where is this? It's uh, Navin Fort in Armagh. We nice. plug. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Navin yeah. Fort. <laughs> it's like go visit. Unbelievable. But yeah, it's got a we- it's got a full on dwelling, and you go in, and uh, people there's tours. They come in with wee kids a lot of the time. A lot of them are tourists. Not all of them though, and uh, you just kind of fire away you have a big spiel that you go on and do you do an accent no no i don't <laughs> if anyone asks about my accent i have a backstory that i'm from cornwall nice. and i was brought over very good to protect the i think it was like you're playing the authenticity card authenticity yeah. card. <laughs> yeah yeah and i was brought over to protect the knowledge of the druids mm. Mm. very good yeah so any <laughs> unusual or funny kind of experiences because i imagine you know i mean every first job uh, or every kind of like summer job mm. has hilarious. Like I only worked in a restaurant, and I've I could sit down and talk to you about four hours. You know of, of yeah. stories. You know what I mean? So I imagine this one would be quite yeah. So it's it's a funny one. A lot of people come in, and we have a fake fire, and it's basically <laughs> steam. It's quite realistic, to be fair. It's steam, and then there's wee lights that light up the steam, so uh-huh. it looks like wee flames. And so many people say, I'm sorry, the smoke is catching my throat. I have to leave. <laughs> so many people. And they'll start coughing. And they'll be oh like, I'm sorry, goodness. it's the smoke. And you're like, that's fair enough. And you can't exactly, because you're, you're supposed to be in character the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't exactly say it, it's a fake fire love. <laughs> but, you know, and you get people, oh, you just get funny ones. <laughs> you get quite like rowdy people sometimes. Really? Yeah, because they'll, they'll, we have to joke with them uh-huh. and they'll joke back and things like that. Ooh, the banter off. Yeah, especially there's this guy who I work with, Marcellus, and he's like a com- right laugh and he will make so many jokes and everything with people and they'll get quite flirty and all with them because <laughs> obviously it's supposed to be like this guy from the Celtic era, so yeah. it's it's in character, but yeah. it's it's quite funny. Yeah, and it's mainly just their reactions that are good. They never get old. So funny. You know, some of the bits and pieces from the Celtic life, like I love their marriage laws because it's just great. You can have trial marriages and divorces. Trial marriages? Yeah. So it lasts a year and a day. (laughs) And um, they just live as if they're married. And then if they like each other, then they get married. If they don't, then that's fine. So funny. It's great. And they have one that I always love to say um, because everyone always laughs at it. Basically... When you get married in the Celtic times, you would get a belt each, the man and woman, and the woman's would be really long for when she gets pregnant and everything, and the man's would be a set length, and if at any point during the marriage it no longer fits him, then that's grounds for divorce. What? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I'm so tired of these unrealistic male body standards <laughs> in the Celtic times, flip's sake. I know. <laughs> body positivity. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, my wedding sh- suit should be that parameter. <laughs> Jackie would be like, here, uh, have you tried on your wedding suit recently? It's like, oh no. Uh, yeah. Got to do some of those <laughs> knee workouts you were talking about. Yeah, knee workouts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, how did you how did you get that job in the first place? Like, are you interested in history? Like, um, it's just one of those things. Like, you, you saw random. a sign up on the so window. <laughs> my mom actually works there, and then she told me that there was a job advertising cool. for actually in the dwelling. So I was like, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't regret it. It's a fun job. Before all that, I was a waitress actually, and again, there's some weird stories in restaurants. Oh yeah, yeah. It just I don't know. I think it's because you see so many types of people and you just go in so quickly. But uh, I worked in there for a while and uh, I actually had to stop because of my arthritis. I was going to say, like really hard work, Mm -hmm. really physical work. 
Yeah, definitely. Being a waiter, like, definitely. And this was a wee place. Uh, well, I say wee. In size, it's actually quite large. But it's it's one of those wee local restaurants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the countryside in a wee town. That's always rammed. Yeah, it's always so full. And um, it's locals. And then it's also people, like, um, you'd occasionally get tour buses because that's how you'd go down south because we're right at the border and um you'd it would get so busy sundays were a nightmare (laughs) because you would have they had a function room which was the size of a big restaurant then you would have the downstairs which is kind of the size of a smaller restaurant and then the upstairs which is the size of a big (sighs) restaurant so you'd basically be seven three restaurants oh my goodness and you'd just be running around the place up and down stairs constantly 10 hour shifts 12 hour shifts so um and it got to the point where it was like too tough Mm -hmm. and it was actually causing flare-ups i remember a day and it was i think it was chris it was around christmas or something or maybe it was new year's because they need obviously need more staff at that time and i worked three days with like a 10 hour shift nine hour shift 11 hour shift and after that my knee was just gone Mm. so I had to stop that, um, but it was fun while it lasted. It's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, yeah, you have to adjust your life a wee bit mm-hmm. and manage your expectations, but You're about you to have to adjust quite a lot, I imagine, going across the water to uni. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> where do you see yourself? You know, you've, you've graduated from uni. Mm. Where would you love to see yourself, like, in 10 years? Like what sort of stuff would yes. you love to be doing? I would, well, if everything goes perfectly, I would love to be like a first assistant director or something like that. Because hmm. I, I really like sorting things out and talking to people. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of job, you need to know everyone in every department. Yeah, yeah. And you're basically just running around the place doing things. I would really like that. But I don't know. Honestly, I'm just going to see how it goes and get as much experience as possible and just hope for the best it's awesome i quite i do go with the flow you know i don't yeah, sure. really plan anything honestly but yeah so we'll just see what happens brilliant yeah so we always <laughs> like to start to wrap these interviews up these conversations sorry mm. should i say <laughs> i wasn't on brand to say the word interview. <laughs> excuse me by a couple of stock questions. These are people that are questions that we ask every single person on the show. Okay. And the first one is uh, a little difficult for the Northern Irish folk. Mm-hmm. And that is, tell us about the most successful moment you've had so far or just a time <laughs> where, you are, where you felt really successful. Well, I'm only 18, so hopefully there'll be more moments to come. <laughs> I... If we're going physically with my arthritis, I climbed to the top of Sleeve Donald recently. Yo. That was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. There was snow at the top in spring. I was outraged. What? Why is there snow there? Why is there snow? I was very upset. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but that was was quite an achievement. I was quite happy with myself. And then it took about five minutes to walk down, about five hours to walk up. But Mm. yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'd say I felt quite successful then. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it about, uh, you, you know, you said in kind of the prep for the interview that your favorite book is Asking For It. Mm. What is it about that book that you really love or why do you think it's important? So I actually did it for my English coursework. Oh, wow. Um, I did it and um, another one, Amongst Women by John McGahan. And uh, I, I really like both the books actually, but... Asking for it stuck with me. I really wanted to do it for my English after reading it like a few months beforehand. And um, I think it just says a lot about our society because it's an Irish book. Mm -hmm. And even though obviously it's from the South, there's something about it that I think if you lived anywhere else, you wouldn't get. Mm -hmm. It's something that's so familiar small town countryside Mm -hmm. you know all the locals it's something that really is so truthful and I don't think you'd get it if you lived you know in London or anything like that I think it's a great book no matter who reads it 
but it was so relatable it was actually kind of scary wow and then obviously it's not the happiest of books mm-hmm. like the main character like i hated her guts she's yeah, not yeah, a likable yeah. character she's like you know the mean girl in school kind of thing but then so many awful things happened to her mm. and you know obviously the title asking for it you're kind of thinking is she asking for it is she not mm. but it really gets you questioning like she was she asking for it yeah and you feel awful because of course she wasn't mm-hmm. no matter what happened to her but it was just everything how it's written is so clever because it really makes you think about it and it really makes you think about our society just in general and just the society of small towns in the countryside and how everyone knows each other and the dangers of that and how people are raised and even though obviously with the internet everywhere is kind of a modern world but I do think like Northern Ireland and and Ireland a wee bit the countryside had has been left behind a little bit Mm -hmm. in the way that you still have you know the internet you still are in touch with you know this big urban world but you're still agricultural you're still you know a farmer's son that kind of thing and you've got all these old-fashioned views you know it was it wasn't that long ago that while you know England was living in the 80s Northern Ireland was still kind of living in the 70s just with even what you were eating what you were doing what you were using Mm -hmm. what you were wearing that kind of thing my granny the other day she told me about the first time she had pasta she told me about the first time she ever saw a pineapple and that yeah. was just mind-blowing to me yeah and it's just i think it's because it's such a small little yeah. island and things like that yeah. but yeah i just love the book it's a great book awesome definitely yeah. read it thank you <laughs> i always love asking people about their favorite books because mm. uh, yeah i just i find it really interesting uh one of the other questions is what would you describe as the most challenging moment of your life and how were you able to overcome that? So, um, I think the most challenging was probably when I was undiagnosed and I was suffering with arthritis because it was really, really difficult. I wasn't in a good place mentally just in my everyday life, Mm -hmm. never mind with this on top of that. And I don't really talk about it that often not because I'm hiding it, just because it's not something you really talk about. And I'm not really one to just sit and kind of wallow in self-pity. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't a good time in my life. It, I wasn't a very happy person. And then obviously I had this physical condition where not only was it m- like mentally difficult for me to do things, but it was physically difficult for me to do things. And I had no idea why. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think it was just fifth year I decided to kind of get a grip Mm -hmm. and to take control of my life a little bit, both, you know, mentally and socially, I guess, but, um, also whenever I just happened to get my diagnosis at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think if I hadn't been in that frame of mind that I was in, because I think I was diagnosed start of October, um, and that September, I'd really just been like, right, it's a new year for school. I'm just going to do what I want to do and take control a little bit more and not be such a pushover and speak up in class and actually get involved in things. And if I hadn't been in that mindset, it would have been a lot more difficult for me to hear a diagnosis and start all this medication and suddenly deal with all this stuff basically Mm -hmm. but luckily for me I was in a good mindset at that point and uh, I think it just comes from positivity Mm -hmm. because if you're walking around thinking that everything is bad well I believe that it is going to be bad and then if you're walking around and you have a positive attitude even if something bad does happen you can cope with it Mm. and you're not just gonna be completely stopped in your tracks yeah and you'll find a way to get over that obstacle instead of just sitting there and being sad really and I'm very guilty of doing that um but yeah it's it's all about positivity for me at least and yeah yeah, and that's all you can do yeah so you know coming out the other side of all of that Mm -hmm. the physical stuff and the mental stuff as well as growing up which is difficult for all of us (laughs) 
What do you do now to keep your mental health in check? I always kind of remember that it could be worse because it has been worse for me mm-hmm. on so many occasions that you can't, like I can't feel too bad for myself because it's like, well, you've done this and you've come up through okay and you've, you know, lived through that. It's just little things, I suppose. And seeing a bigger picture as well. Do you think things happen for a reason or do you think things just happen and our job is just to deal with whatever cards were dealt? Yeah, it's a bit of both for me, honestly. I feel like I have quite contrasting beliefs, but (laughs) I don't put them together very often. Hey, welcome to being human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, getting very existential here. I feel like whatever happens, happens. To a certain extent, things do fall into place for you. I think luck exists and yeah, sure. that kind of thing. And I think whatever you put into something, you'll get out of it. But I don't think fate has decided on everything for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's just how it is and you can't change it. And no matter what you do, you'll always end up in the same path. Yeah, um, I don't believe in that. And I think if that did exist, it would be quite sad for a number (laughs) of people. Um, But yeah, so I think it's a bit of both. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, Second last question. Mm -hmm. If you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for coffee, dead Mm -hmm. or alive, uh, who would you take? Mm. Where would you take them? Um, And I suppose why? C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Talk about Narnia. yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, be like, what was it like to know Tolkien? <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, isn't it so crazy that they were mates? Yeah, and they just it like me out. sit in the pub and yeah, talk they about have this little like exclusive writers club. Yeah, like I read that and I just geek out over it. I'm like, oh my goodness, how could I be a part of this? Yeah, mad. Yeah, he would be interesting to talk to, and he has quite interesting beliefs as well. Oh yeah, that's that would be fun to talk about. Also, where he came up with a talking lion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where would you take him? Um, I don't know. I'd have to find somewhere cool. I'd have to find like a little hipster cafe or something. Do you think something. he would like hipster cafe? Um, no, probably not. <laughs> you just want to shock him? <laughs> yeah. I just Look want to be like, this is the behind. modern day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, detru- <laughs> the distressed <laughs> wood. Just everywhere. Yeah. Little napkins and everything. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Final question, Katrina. Um, this is the one we end with all the time. If you could take, we usually say the 18 year old version of yourself. So we're going to have to modify it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you're one of our youngest guests we've ever had on the show. (laughs) If you could take the 15 year old version of yourself. Yes. Out for a coffee. Mm. Uh, to a place with distressed wood and napkins. Of course. (laughs) Uh, you had a couple of minutes of her time. Mm. What advice, what words of wisdom would you give her? I just say don't waste time and don't overwork yourself because 15 year old me was a very busy child because <laughs> that's when I started kind of changing my attitude and just did everything I could see. But I would just kind of be like, don't waste time. And I would also just say go for things because there's so many things I, I didn't go for because I was nervous. And now to me, again, that's a waste of opportunity and I need to kind of work on that. But yeah, like all this thing about environmental science, when I'm sure I would have loved it, but it's not me. And when I was 15, I knew I wanted to do film, but it took until I was, you know, 17 going on 18 that I decided to actually do it. So um, I'd probably just say, yeah, just trust yourself a bit more. Don't be so worried about everything. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> calm <Amazing>. down <laughs> well honestly katrina thank you so so much for giving us your time and thank you for having honestly me. i wish you all the best going forward i'm excited oh, for you well, thank you <laughs> cheers what sage advice coming from an 18 year old honestly i got so so much out of that and really enjoyed the opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect on how much we do have to be grateful for but also the importance of just pacing i know i always harp on about that but yeah, really, really enjoyed that. So Katrina, thank you so much for giving up your time and sharing your story so honestly and so thoughtfully with us. Honestly, wish you 
every success going forward. You're absolutely one to watch. And if Best Belfast is still going in 10 years' time, I imagine we'll be getting you on to talk about some of the incredible things that you've achieved in that time. Also, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate you spending this time with us and hear from someone incredible from this part of the world. If it is your first time listening, we've had over 70 unfiltered conversations just like this one that I know you would love to check out. You can head to bestbelfast.org where you can find our whole back catalogue. It's also where you can sign up to your email newsletter, which a lot of people ask, what's the point of the email newsletter? Here's the point. Let me tell you, okay? Every single Monday morning, whenever the show goes out, you get this lovely email delivered to your inbox and in it, you get a photo of the guest because you then you can actually see what they look like. You know what I mean? Sometimes if you listen to people on radio, you have this image in your head and it can be nice to actually connect it with the real life person. So you get a photo of the guest, you get a short description and you get links to all of their information. So their social media profiles, their websites, their favorite books. And also, and this is a little more selfishly, there's also links and ways for you to share the episode with your friends, with your family. You can forward the email, you can post it on social media. Basically, if you really enjoyed the episode, because I know what it's like listening to the podcast, you're not really connected to your phone. Usually, you know, you're in the car or you're out for a walk. It's a handy way to give you all the information and all the little bonus extras in a place you can come back to at any time to do with what you want. So there, that's the newsletter. Bestbelfast.org is where you can do that. It's also where you can sign up to join the Producers Club, which is our inner circle made up of listeners who love the show and who love it enough to support it financially every single month for as little as one pound a month to help us keep doing what we're doing to help us grow and also get access to some exclusive perks like being invited to live podcasts we've one coming up on the 1st of October with a mystery guest. We also do dinners. We send out Best of Belfast care packages, which are full of little gifts, handwritten notes, and all sorts of fun stuff based on the people we've been interviewing over the last few months. So if you're a producer listening, thank you so much. Today's conversation was made possible by you and for you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks' time. Other than that, my email inbox is open as always. If you'd like to continue the conversation or reach out and say hello, it's matthew at bestbelfast.org. And until next Monday morning, my name's Matthew Thompson. This is Best of Belfast. Thanks a lot and have a great week. Cheers.